Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. guys are digested, rested, and ready to dive into His Word. Amen? All right. Well, we are wrapping up a four-part series on one of the largest books in the Old Testament, uh, the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, The last three weeks, we've been kind of taking a 10,000-foot view of this book. Uh, Hopefully, you've been reading along with us during the week Um, It's really uh, just important for, uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, to be getting in the Word, and uh, this uh, month we're getting in the book of Deuteronomy, and in our life groups, as Michaela said, we're in 2 Timothy, Um, but uh, hopefully you've been enjoying this series. Um, To kind of catch us up real briefly, uh, the book of Deuteronomy is uh, the... Uh, the journey of the nation of Israel, and they are right at the doorway of the promised land, and Moses, who has been leading them for 40 plus years, it's, he's giving his last speeches to the nation of Israel before he kind of passes the baton of leadership over to this man named Joshua, and they go into the promised land. So uh, at the tail end of this book, we're just mere days away from them entering into the promised land and conquering the enemies that are in the land. And God had promised them this, and they had been at the doorway, they had been at the southern doorway 40 years ago. God led them out of Egypt, gave them the law at Mount Sinai, then leads them to the southern border of uh, the promised land. They send in spies into the land, they come back, 10 of them. They're like, man, the enemies are so big, they're so intimidating. Joshua and this man Caleb comes back and says, oh, don't listen to those ten. God said that he would give us victory. Let's go in. But the whole nation of Israel, around that time, that was probably about one to two million people. Just think Moses leading the city of Kansas City. We're right around two million. The city of Kansas City is at the border of the promised land. That's a lot of people, right? Lots of people. And those people believed the report of the ten. The ten that came back with the fearful report, the people believed them, believed them over Joshua and Caleb. And so God said, my people aren't ready yet. So he leads them back out into the wilderness for 40 years. And all those people that uh, bowed in fear, God says, I'm not going to allow that generation to enter the promised land. I'm going to wait till that generation passes away And now I can raise up a new generation that I can actually lead in the promised land. So uh, they wander for 40 years there, and they're just uh, at the doorway, the eastern side now of the uh, promised land, and uh, they're just about ready to go in. So we're wrapping up today. Uh, There's a couple good little nuggets before we uh, land the plane on Deuteronomy. But uh, let's, let's uh, pray before we dive in. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, so much for your word. I pray that you would open and reveal your word to us. God, we came here to hear from you, not to hear from a man, 
but God, to hear from you, our creator, our father, our leader. So Lord, speak to us by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so like I said, we're, we're coming to the end of their journey in the wilderness. They're just about ready to go into the promised land, so man. All right, so um, we come, we, we ended uh, last week, chapter 26, so today we're going to dive in, actually chapter 28, um, 27 and 28, we begin getting into these lists of blessings and curses that God pronounces in his covenant with the nation of Israel, the blessings that will overtake them if they remain faithful and obedient to him in the land. And the course curses that would overtake them if they are disobedient and give their allegiance to other gods. So uh, it's just an interesting list of blessings. There's this, this promise of God's faithfulness to those who are uh, loyal to him. There's this promise of fruitfulness, fruitfulness in what you do, uh, an increased wealth. Uh, there's a promise of defeat of your enemies. Uh, there's a promise that... Uh, God would use that nation or that holy people, that set-apart people, to be a witness to other nations about how God, who God is and how He operates. Uh, they, and with God's blessing, if you have God's blessing, you can lend to many and not borrow, meaning you're the lender, you're the blesser, you're the giver, you're the generous one. Uh, and uh, what else? Another blessing. Um, it's just a, a blessing of a life of abundant flourishing. It's this beautiful picture of a life of abundant flourishing. If God's people would just be set apart and remain loyal to him. Then there's these list of curses, and the curses are pretty strong as well. It seems to be kind of the counter opposite of these blessings. So instead of fruitfulness in your labor, it's actually toil. Part of the curses is that you labor and have no fruit. Or how about your wealth stolen by your enemies? Uh, another curse is confusion. There's a generation that's burdened with confusion. That's a curse. How about exile? Exile, he promises them exile. And he kind of reads forward and says, hey, I know you're going to go against. I know you're going to be disloyal to me. But just know I'm going to be faithful to you, even though you're dis." You're disloyal to me. And so a common question as a believer, kind of in the 21st century, as we read this kind of portion of God's law, the Deuteronomy, the second reading of the law, the kind of, kind of common question is, what do these blessings and curses have to do with us today? Like, as we read these, are these kind of curses like, or, or blessings over a believer? So like, if a believer is faithful and obedient to God, the blessings kind of will overtake him. But if, if he's not, you know, does he kind of go into a state of, of being cursed? And, and so maybe based upon your daily obedience to God, is this, do we kind of go back and forth in between these states as a believer? Some common question. But I'd say it'd be, it'd be a misapplication of the covenants to say that the blessings and curses of the Sinai covenant apply to the church, followers of Jesus. This is the covenant that Yahweh was setting up specifically for the nation of Israel going into the promised land. In that place and that time, yet for those who are in Christ, 
We are under a new and better covenant. Yes, there's consequences to disobedience. And in fact, in Hebrews, it lists off the consequences of being disobedient to God's grace in this new covenant. And actually, the consequences are even worse than what's listed in Deuteronomy. Paul said in Ephesians 1.3 that we have already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Jesus. And on the cross, Jesus takes the curse upon himself. So it seems like at the cross, he deals with this part of the covenant of God, that if you want to be my people, you need to be remain loyal and faithful. And God knows our heart is fickle, and we give our allegiance to other gods, and God says, man, I am going to fulfill the covenant that you couldn't on your end, and I'm going to send one who can fulfill the covenant completely, and that's Christ. And so let's take a look at Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 and 2. And it says this, Deuteronomy 28, 1. It says, if, and if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all, the, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now, on one hand, on a national level, if a nation pursues the Lord and lives after his commands, that nation will be blessed. And a nation that goes against God's ways, that's disobedient, flaunts God's commands, they will be judged even though they don't know God. And we've seen that throughout history. God uses Babylon. God uses Assyria. They're nations that don't know God, but yet he uses them for his purpose. There are just consequences. Just It's like a national level of sowing and reaping. But for us in Jesus, it would be wrong to just straight apply Deuteronomy 28 or maybe Leviticus 26, these blessings and curses to our lives today. Jesus, like I said, has taken the curse for us individual image bearers by hanging on the cross. We are already blessed in Jesus with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We are not just being judged on a daily basis of obedience versus disobedience. That being said, still in Galatians 6, Paul writes this. Verse 8, for the one who sows in his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal, infinite, abundant life. Yet let not us grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. So, what's God's command for us in this new covenant in a land that's filled with a bunch of foreign gods? Man, law of sowing and reaping. What you sow, you will reap in this new covenant. There are principles that still apply, but it's incorrect to think that we're still directly under the blessings and curses of this Sinai covenant. Regardless, the nation of Israel was in covenant with God, and these were the stipulations of blessing as God led them to be his people in the promised land. And then we see this in Deuteronomy 30. Moses says this, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land 
that you are entering to take possession of it. That's a pretty good promise, huh? But if your heart turns away and you will not hear but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you will surely perish. You will not live long in the land that you are going over to the Jordan to enter and possess. Okay? So there's some consequences if they are not loyal. Then there's this charge he gives him in verse 19. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. Choose life. Moses is saying, remain loyal to your holy, set-apart people who makes you holy and set-apart. Remain loyal to the God who led you out of slavery, who led you out of Egypt, led you through the wilderness, provided you manna from heaven, supernatural food for 40 years. He guided you by the pillar of a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire by night. God is with you. Remain loyal to him. But he knew that once, as he led them into a land that was fortified, it said that these cities were fortified, which means they were built. God said that you're going to inherit vineyards that you didn't plant. And so these people go into these fortified cities. They take over, basically, they take over. And within two generations, here they're, they're, they're kind of sitting, and they're like, man, look at our abundance. Look at all our victories. Look at what we have done. Look at our land. And God says, I know your heart. I know that when you get in that place of comfort, when you get in that place of uh, uh, abundance, that your heart is going to bend. Your heart, your loyalty is going to break and it's going to go after those other gods. And so God sets before us life, love, beauty, flourishing. The enemy always sets before us death dressed up like life. And you got to know the difference as a believer. Choose life in the land of many enemies that are trying to deceive us into giving into a spirit of death. Go against the flow. Go against the flow of the crowd. Man, I have a, I have a sense that this pathway leads to death. Man, I'm not going to get on that road. I know that maybe everybody else around me may be getting on that road, but I'm not getting on that road because I feel that road is leading to death. I'm on the road that leads to life. Then right after this, he gives them this charge. Choose life. Don't choose death. Choose life. Then he says this. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. It says, be strong and courageous. Oh, do not fear or be in dread of them. Who's them? Your large intimidating enemies in the promised land. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, in the sight of all Israel, he says it again, be strong and courageous. 
For you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Man, some strong words from Moses. Again, this is his last message of of people that he's been leading half of his life. And he's given them the last goods that he can give them before they enter. And here's his word of encouragement. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because you need courage to resist and fight the intimidating enemies that I'm sending you in to be surrounded by. You need courage. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. And I would say it's probably every generation. Every generation, there's large, intimidating, giant-level enemies that come after God's people. Now, not just Christians, even though Christians are the number one persecuted religion on the planet and have been for decades. But God, where was I? Wow. Persecuted. Okay. Yeah. Great about being bold, every generation having a fight that they need to fight. And I'd say that this is probably maybe one of the biggest lessons that I personally got reading through Deuteronomy this time is just being in the place that we're in in this generation. It's like the church has been wandering in the wilderness, afraid to actually speak of the enemies in the promised land. We're just happy out wandering the wilderness with us in the presence of God. But just know that that presence is leading you somewhere. That presence is leading you into a promised land that is not devoid of enemies. It's actually filled with them. And he actually is supposed to, his purpose is to infuse you with his Holy Spirit so that you begin to conquer the enemies that he has called you to rise up with courage and begin to call out, begin to go after. And there's a lot of enemies. We could probably come up with some lists. What do you think? Now just think for a second. What do you think are the biggest enemies of this generation that war against God's people? Those are the enemies that God is calling all of us to rise up and speak out against, to rise up and say something about, to rise up. Now, We may not have a calling to a lot of these. You may have a specific calling to a specific kind of enemy that God has designed you to kind of go after. But as people of God, we need to be a courageous people that are not only loyal to God, that not only live holy as He is holy, but has the courage to rise up and begin to go after the giants in the land. So as I was kind of thinking, man, what would, what would be some of our big giants? I think the big one is just sexual perversion. Going outside of God's design for sex, for the past 30 years, the church has been completely silent, seems like, silent on this issue, where it's just like, okay, we kind of let uh, guys that struggle with homosexuality, okay, we get that, and then marriage, and then we kind of just abdicate that, and then we kind of... Abdicate to the transgender. We, pornography is an epidemic ruining people's lives, just addicted to it every day, warping their imagination. 
to where, the, it's to where their, their marriage bed could hardly even be pure in their imagination because they'd just been sowing just death onto their being. And now we have language for pedophilia, minor attracted people. And now we're labeling something that we know is absolutely demonic. And yet for us, it's like, can't say anything. Why? Because there's a spirit of intimidation. That's another big enemy. A spirit of intimidation that if you aren't in line with the ideology of the world, shut up. Don't say anything. And what sucks about that is that we're in a place where a lot of, if, if that ideology begins being taught, I guarantee you 80% of the people in the room disagree. But because of that intimidating spirit, it's like, keep your mouth shut. So there's this, we walk away thinking, man, I'm the only one thinking this. I'm the only one. I'm alone. And that's what that intimidating spirit does. It makes you feel alone and that nobody else is thinking the same thing you are. How about another enemy? Breakdown of the family. I want to go one more step. This Balenciaga deal that happened this week was crazy. I don't know if you've heard about the, the fashion designer that kind of came out with an ad campaign that was BDSM for children, basically. And uh, it was interesting, this whole ad campaign, there was, there was a, some caution tape. And on that caution tape, Balenciaga is B-A-L, but on the caution tape, it's B-A-A-L. The same gods that we find in Deuteronomy and Canaan, the same gods, the same gods that demanded child sacrifice, child prostitution, the same spirit is alive in the 21st century. So you got to see, that's why God's word is so important to cling to in a culture that serves other gods. How about the breakdown of family? I would say that's probably the number one. Lot of cause, lot of evil happens when there's the family breakdown. And I would say that's probably one of our major charges by God, I would say, before the Lord, is to raise up spiritual fathers and mothers. If you want to write a culture, you have to have fathers and mothers, coaches, coaching young players into how to live life. And if you want to change the course of a generation, you have to begin fathering and mothering that next generation. And I really believe there's a call on God's church to be like, who are my sons and daughters who I can raise up to be fathers and mothers to reach this next generation? So anyway... We could talk about what other big enemies are you seeing? We, we could, the list could go on. Corrupt elites, politicians, big pharma, corrupt clergy, corrupt corporatocracies, the World Economic Forum, or just passivity, just the enemy of passivity. But again, as God's people, we need to begin to begin having the courage to actually say something, and I'm preaching this to myself, to not bow down to these giants in the land because they want to intimidate God's people to keep you quiet, to keep God's kingdom growing. But that's the nature of God is that no matter how hard you try to push it down, God's life begins to just erupt out of it. So not only does he call his people to be holy and set apart, but he calls his people to resist and expose the enemy's agenda. 
Ephesians 5, Paul says this, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Wow. There's judgment for people who, who talk deceptively, issuing deceptive words, but yet are empty. Oh, that's good to know. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Instead expose them. So before the Lord, you and I are called to be God's set-apart people that builds our life on the wisdom and direction of God and not the foolishness of the world. Again, it's going to take some level of the same level of courage for you and I to come against these giants in the land, the same level of courage that it took the Israelites to go into the promised land and defeat their enemies. So God's word for us, be strong and courageous, do not fear. Do you know that phrase, do not fear, is said 365 times in the Scriptures. Man, of all the numbers you could have picked, God, 365? Serious? Yeah, why? Because God's like, I need to remind you every day, do not fear. I am with you. My presence is with you. I will give you victory. It may seem intimidating to you. Don't give in to your feelings because I am the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Amen. So when we move, and then we move to the end of Moses' address to the nation right before they entered the land. Here's some of his final words, Deuteronomy 32. And he added, take to heart all the words of warning I've given you today. Pass them on as a command to your children so that they will obey every word of these instructions. These instructions are not empty words. They are your life. By obeying them, you will enjoy a long life in the land you will occupy when you cross the Jordan River. God says his word is our life. His word is our life. You and I get in our right mind. Trevor's like, man, I got in my right mind this morning. I was like, man, that's all the Lord. Because I have the same phrase. You and I get in our right mind when we allow God's word to penetrate us, guide us, transform us. God's word is like a mirror of who he is, his heart, his ways, his holiness, his otherness, his purity. And his word also becomes a scale of measure to see who we are and how we measure up. Moses is giving his last and best to the people. People choose God's word because his word is life. And just like there's 365 phrases of do not fear, same is true. Our heart needs God's word every day. Not just to not fear, but what am I turning my fear into faith into? What am I actually leaning into? It's one thing to say, hey, uh, let's not do those things, right? But after a while, you've probably played that game with yourself. Don't eat that sugary treat. Don't eat that sugary treat. Don't eat that sugary treat. And that's all that's consuming. Guess what? Guess what happens? You eat that sugary treat. Right? Because that consumes your imagination. No, it needs to turn and to be like, what am I leaning into God for, with, into? 
When Israel later began a large-scale defection to the idolatry of Canaan two generations later, God had simply receded from their consciousness and their loyalty was broken. But once it was underway, that defection was underway, they were so distracted with the passing pleasures of sin that they as a nation did not give God a moment's thought. So living life awake to God and His Word is a process that must be renewed every day. Every day, I know I don't wake up in my right mind. Do you? You probably are better than I it, but sometimes it's funk city when we wake up. And we have to get into our right mind. We sometimes wake up and it's everything's geared towards our flesh. What we want, what I think, how I feel. Uh, I want happiness. This is what I need to get done today. This is I, I, I. Instead, I feel like, no, God, I'm clinging to your word. I'm living in a land filled with selfish people that serve other gods. So therefore, let me remain loyal to you. The pace of our life can keep God's word from implanting itself and bearing fruit. So slow down. Slow down. The pace of life. Imagine, count how many hours you're on social media. Okay, here's just an easy just check. (laughs) Hours you're on social media versus times you're with the Lord. Ooh, oh, that could kind of hurt, right? We kind of think, oh, man, it's easy for me to just, like, lose two hours a day just kind of just reading the feed. But then when it comes to actually diving into God's Word, it's like, oh, man, God, I love your Word. This is awesome. And we just fall asleep. Is that? That's Spiritual Warfare 101. That's the enemy does not want you getting this word and living God's word through your life and and seeing God's word as life. So in this land of large, intimidating enemies of ours that you've been born into, God's call to us is as much like that of his people in Deuteronomy. Be loyal. Be loyal. Be courageous. Be courageous. And then hold on to his word, for it is life. Jesus establishes his covenant with us through yielding our life to him and saying, God, I have believing loyalty to you. I know that you are the king of all kings, that you are the God of gods. God, my believing loyalty is yours. And God, I know that as I'm now family with you, that you infuse me with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And that spirit is what's going to give us courage in this generation to be his people, to not change his word, (laughs) trying to appease people. No, we're going to stand strong on the way God designed reality. And we're not going to change reality for our own pleasure. Amen? Well, let's end kind of our time, the nation of Israel, kind of at the end of this reading renewed their covenant with God. As they heard God's law read to them again, they kind of renewed their covenant, their heart covenant before the Lord. And, we say, and they, they would say, Lord, Lord, we're going to be loyal to you. As for us and our house, we're going to be loyal to you. We don't have any control over what our grandkids do, what our great-grandkids do. But as for me, as for us and our house, we're going to serve the Lord. So uh, in the same kind of spirit, we thought that we'd t- just take communion together as a spiritual family. And so 
Uh, how we do communion here, uh, we invite you to uh, come and uh, come down the middle aisle, grab your communion elements. Uh, we have some uh, XL bread. You'll know what I'm talking about when you come up here. Anyway, um, go back to your seat, kind of keep your elements, and we'll take them together, okay? So I invite you to come on up. that, you know, it's really in times of crisis that God's people really become the answer that the culture needs. But it's when his people are humble and carry his heart, not in a self-righteous way, but knowing that it's the nature of the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy lives. And we come to the cross knowing that that's what the enemy was doing to us. But Jesus interceded in that war on our life. And he rescued our life from that war. And he calls us to be his image bearers. To be the carriers of his grace to people who, just like us, the enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy And so as we take this covenant, I pray that we would carry not just his word and his ways, but that we would carry his spirit, that it would come not with a harsh tone, but that his life, his abundant life flowing through us would come with the spirit of Jesus that speaks to people's hearts 
to their spirit. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, as we kind of just renew our covenant with you, God, that we would be your people, God, holy and set apart in the midst of a perverse generation. Lord, let us be your people, not carrying ourselves with religious pride, but God, let us carry ourselves with humble servanthood as we serve those that need your life, that need your abundant life. Father, I pray and thank you for your broken body and your shed blood. God, you lived the life and fulfilled the covenant that we couldn't. So, Father, we renew our heart affection and loyalty to you. God, as we take the bread and we drink the cup, Father, we pray that you would fill us with your courage, fill us with your life, fill us with your type of love. Lord Jesus, thank you for your abundant grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take the bread and cup together. Father, God, thank you so much for your sacrifice that opened up the doorway so you and I can have a relationship, so we could have a relationship with you, Jesus. Father, I pray that we would, God, truly honor that relationship this week. Father, I pray that you would reprioritize our life, that, God, we would anchor our life, that your word is life. Father, I pray that your voice would be so loud, much louder than the voice of the world. And I pray that you would train us of how to live in that state where your voice is much louder than the voice of the world. God, we thank you for your spirit ministering to us. Father, thank you so much for just a great weekend. God, thank you for what you're doing in our midst and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, with that, we made it. Four weeks through Deuteronomy. I didn't think you all could do it, but you did it. Um, anyway, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. And, uh, yeah, go be a blessing. Amen. Never let your faith go. Never let your faith go. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.